We're starting a new series this morning. Oh, board, board members, there's a four o'clock board meeting. Don't remember, don't remember that. Don't remember that? <laughs> don't forget that. It's going to be a good sermon this morning. You can tell, can't you? Keep you laughing and laughing and laughing. All right, board members, there is a four o'clock board meeting this morning, this afternoon. <laughs> don't forget it. There we go. Thank you. We're starting a new series this morning, on a five-week series on the five spiritual disciplines. Merriam-Webster defines discipline as training that corrects, molds, or perfects the mental faculties or moral character. In other words, it's the ability to exercise self-control in order to grow spiritually. It's, those, it's, it's exercising self-control in order to grow spiritually. One of the things that I hope all of you are hungry for is to grow spiritually in the Lord, to be more like Jesus today than you were yesterday, and more like Him tomorrow than you were today. We want you to grow spiritually. That's the goal of life is to grow spiritually closer to Jesus Christ. So we're going to look at five things in your life that you need to discipline yourself in, that you need to take authority over, that you need to take control of in order to grow spiritually. This morning we're going to talk about prayer. Next week, we're going to talk about fasting. Then we're going to talk about Scripture. <clears throat> and then we're going to talk about solitude. <clears throat> solitude with the Lord. And then we're going to talk about generosity. Now, I don't know about you, but I have tried and failed many times in each of these areas. There have been times when my prayer life has just been humming along on all eight cylinders. And when that happens, you're feeling good, you're feeling great, and things are going well. There are other times when you just kind of, I forgot to pray today. I forgot to pray this week. Lord, help me, I forgot to pray this month. You know, when you just kind of hit the skids in your spiritual life. And when those times happen, you've got to take control of your life. You've got to take control of it and make it happen. We've, we've all tried these things, but the Spirit of God is what brings these things to pass in our life. So as we talk about this, I want us to remember first and foremost that in all of these disciplines, that it is the Spirit of God that makes them happen, that gives us the strength to do those things. In uh, 2 Timothy 1.7, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self discipline. It's the Spirit of God that gives us these things. In 1 Corinthians 9, 25 and 27, it says, all athletes are disciplined in their training. Think about an athlete, how they train. They discipline themselves. They don't eat pizza and, and, and stuff like that and sleep in and all that kind of stuff. They discipline their bodies to become experts at what they do. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete. Now listen to what he's saying here. He's saying, I discipline my body like an athlete. Your body is part of the disciplining process that we have. Training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. So we're going to talk about spiritual disciplines, how to discipline your life in order to grow spiritually. That's the whole goal that we're going to have. And we're going to talk about prayer this morning, disciplining our lives 
to become people of prayer. That's been one of the things that we have emphasized over the last couple of years, actually, is prayer time. We're going to talk about prayer this morning and what it means to be a person of prayer. If you want to learn how to invest your money, you don't go to somebody that's bankrupt to learn how to invest your money. You go to someone that is an expert in investment. If you want to improve your artistic skills, you don't take lessons from an elephant that paints portraits. How many of you saw that on the news? An elephant was painting. Didn't see that, did you? Okay. They got an elephant in India that paints paintings, and they sell them for thousands of dollars, this elephant painting a portrait. I, I don't think most of the money goes to the elephant either, so that's kind of sad. But you want to you learn art, you go to an artist that's accomplished in the field, that knows what they're talking about, that has the, the proof of it in their, in their production. If you want to learn Spanish, don't come to me. I know two Spanish words, no, N-O, and C. That's about it. I've just exhausted most of my Spanish right there. So don't come to me if you want to learn Spanish. You go to someone that speaks Spanish fluently, that knows what they're doing, that knows what they're talking about. The disciples had spent a great deal of time in Jesus, with Jesus for nearly two years. They had been present and they saw amazing miracles. They saw him raise the dead. They saw him heal the sick. They saw him cast out demons. They saw him multiply loaves and fishes and feed thousands of people. They saw all of this kind of thing. And, and once when they were in a certain place praying and they had finished, his disciples came to him and they said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. Now that tells us a number of things about prayer that we're going to talk about in just a few moments. But when the time came for the disciples to ask Jesus to teach them something, they wanted to learn how to pray. Now, I find it interesting, they must have connected prayer with the power that Jesus had. Because they didn't ask, teach us how to raise the dead. They didn't ask, teach us how to multiply fish and loaves. Man, we make a killing out on the market with that. No overhead and just sell all the profits all the time. They didn't ask those kind of questions. They asked, teach us to pray. They somehow discerned that the power of Jesus Christ was connected to his prayer life. They had seen him pray, and they had watched him pray, and they knew that there was something special about it, and they wanted to pray like Jesus prayed. And so it says, one day when Jesus was praying in a certain place, when he finished, one of his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples to pray. Prayer is a learned skill. There is no gift of prayer in the, in the Holy Spirit-given gift of prayer. There's a gift of intercession, which is a special kind of prayer. But prayer is something that you discipline yourself to do. You decide to pray. You decide to become a person of prayer. Now, I've told you before, prayer does not come easily to me. It's something that I have to discipline myself to do. It's something that I have to decide that I'm going to do. And sometimes I pray and sometimes I forget to pray and then I've got to go back and make it up. And, you know, it just it can be a real struggle with me sometimes. But I'm determined to become a person of prayer. I'm determined to have the best prayer life that I possibly can. And I'm constantly, if you look in my office, I've got books after books after books and tapes and, and tapes. Kids, tapes are things that they used to listen to before there were CD and cloud streaming and stuff. There are all kinds of uh, books on prayer in there because I'm determined to become a person of prayer. You know, the paradox of prayer 
is that it asks for a serious effort that can only be received as a gift. Henry Mowen said, Mowen said that. Prayer is the practice, the paradox of prayer is that it asks for a serious effort while it can only be received as a gift. We cannot plan, organize, or manipulate God, but without a careful discipline, we cannot receive it either. In other words, God enables us to pray, but it takes a decision on our part to make it happen. You have to decide that you're going to pray in order to be a person of prayer. You don't just lay back and say, okay, God, give it to me. Anytime now. Come on, God, give me the gift of prayer. You have to pray in order to have the gift of prayer in cooperation with the Holy Spirit. Peter Kreft, in his book, Prayer for Beginners, writes this. Prayer is easier than we think. We want to think it is too hard or too high and holy for us because that gives us an excuse for not doing it. This is a false humility. We can all do it, even the most sinful, shallow, silly, and stupid of us. You do not have to master some mystical method. You do not have to master a method at all. Can you talk to a friend? Then you can talk to God. For he is your friend, and that's what prayer is. The single most important piece of advice about prayer is one word. Begin. Single most important word about prayer is this. Begin. God makes it easy. Just do it. Jesus did teach his disciples to pray, but what is caught is as important too. They saw him pray and they prayed with him and they learned to pray. This came in handy. You'll see that their prayer life takes off after they're filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. They suddenly become people of prayer power because there is a mixture that happens when you're filled with the Holy Spirit and your prayer life. It empowers your prayers. You still do the praying, but the Holy Spirit empowers you to pray. They watched as Jesus went off by himself or took a few disciples with him. They believed that what they observed was intimacy with the Father, and that's what they wanted. They wanted intimacy with the Father. They wanted to be close to God. They wanted their prayers to do something. They wanted their prayers to mean something. And so they asked Jesus to pray, how to pray. And so he did. He gave them the Lord's Prayer, probably better called the Disciples' Prayer. We call it the Lord's Prayer, but it's an example for the disciples. In your bulletin, there's a little sheet. I'm going to have them. It's already up there. But we're going to pray this prayer right now. We're just going to read it together, okay? So let's all stand together, shall we? Stand if you can. We're going to recite the Lord's Prayer together. This is from the New Living Translation. Some of you learned it as a child from the King James Version. You're going to have to pay attention, okay? Because memory is going to kick in. But here we go. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. That's it. It's that simple. That's what Jesus gave to his disciples when they asked him to teach them to pray. 
Acknowledgement of the holiness of God and His name. God, you are a holy God. I acknowledge that you're holy. Even your name is holy. I'm looking forward to the coming of your kingdom, God. Send your kingdom now into this world, Lord. Both the second coming of Christ and the power of your kingdom that manifests itself in our lives today. God, let your kingdom come. Pray for your will to be done, God. May your will be done in my life, in my world, as on earth as it is in heaven. God, give me the daily needs that I have. Every day, God, you supply my needs. I thank you for that, and I ask you to continue to supply my needs. Forgive my sins, Lord. Forgive the many sins that I have committed, and forgive me for those things, God. And help me to forgive others as you have forgiven me. Make me a forgiving person, Lord. Protect me against temptation. Lord, give me the strength when temptation comes into my life that I am able to stand up against it. Lord, protect me or acknowledge, I acknowledge your all-pervasive power. You are in control of everything, God. You have control of my life. You have control of everything on this earth. Yours is the glory and the honor and the power forever. Amen. That's the prayer that Jesus told us to pray. And that's how we pray it. Simply go through it. Put it into your own words. Put it into your own thoughts and your feelings. Let your mind kind of take those words and and roll them through your mind so that you're understanding what it's saying. And pray that prayer. If you can't pray anything else, just recite the words. Get yourself in the habit of praying. Develop the discipline by doing it. And if you can't think of anything else, there's no problem at all with just reading that prayer as that prayer as a prayer from your heart to God's ears. Recite this prayer if you're stuck. You know, Jesus prayed before every important decision that he had to make. He prayed for every important decision. In Luke chapter 6, verses 12 and 13, it says, one of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent all night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples and he chose 12 of them who he designated his apostles. Jesus was choosing the 12 apostles. He went out and prayed all night long before he chose those apostles. He spent the whole night in prayer. Now, I don't know how many of you have ever spent a whole night in prayer, but that takes some dedication to do that. Number one, you're fighting sleep when that happens. And uh, I'll confess, I have fallen asleep while I was praying. Yeah, (laughs) good. So glad to hear that. But Jesus prayed all night long for his apostles that he, before he chose them. <clears throat> he be, at the beginning of his public ministry in Luke chapter 4, he went out and prayed in the desert. At the conclusion of his public ministry, before taking the journey to Jerusalem and to his death in Luke 22 and Luke 9, he prayed. He was dying on the cross. Even his dying words were prayers to God. God, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. Jesus was a man of prayer. He he counted on prayer in his life to do everything for him. What is your default reaction when you are faced with a daunting situation? What do you do first of all? Do you pray or do you do something else? Those decisions that will impact your future. Some of you might have a meeting coming up with your boss and it's an important meeting. You're going to ask for a raise or there's something going on that you need to know about and he's going to have a serious chat with you. Do you pray before those meetings? Do you ask God to give you clarity and strength and understanding and to be able to express yourself clearly? Do you pray about those things? Uh, 
When you have an important financial decision to make, do you pray first or do you call your banker first to see if you got enough money? That's really not the important question. The important question is, is it God's will for my life? Do you go to your friends for input first or do you go to God as an afterthought? God longs to be the first decision in your life. God wants to be the first choice in your life of who you go to in prayer for any decision that you have to make. You know, we've got to get out of this mindset that says, well, we've tried everything else, now let's pray. Prayer should be our first line of defense in any situation that we face. We should become people whose default life is prayer. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all that He's done, Philippians 4, 6. God wants us to pray about everything. Paul is saying, make prayer your first choice. Pray about everything. Prayer is intended to become a lifestyle for us. It's intended to be a way of life. Prayer is intended to be a way of life for us. It says, pray continually in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. Continue on praying. Keep on praying. Become a person of prayer. In Luke 18, 1, it says, Then Jesus told his disciples, <clears throat> a, parable to, a parable to show them that they should always pray and never give up. Always pray and never give up. I would ask you this morning, do you pray enough? Well, the answer to that, that's kind of a trick question because I don't think you can ever pray enough. But are you praying adequately for your life's needs? Are you praying when you need to pray? Or do you pray when, as, as, as kind of an afterthought? In Ephesians 6.18, it says, Pray on the, in the Spirit on all occasions and with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, keep alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. The Bible wants us to be constantly in prayer, to have that attitude of prayer. Martin Luther said, To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. And Martin Luther was a prayer. He prayed a lot. Prayer should become automatic in your life. Going to God should be the first response that we have. We should be so given to prayer that it becomes part of the fabric of our life. We need to be people of prayer. So how should we pray? Well, in, in uh, Luke chapter 18, Jesus tells two stories that are related to prayer to tell us how we should pray. And the first story that he tells tells us to pray persistently. And it comes across as, though, as, as almost a negative thing, but it's not. Listen to the story. It says in Luke 18, 1 through 8, <clears throat> Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps on bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. Will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? You know, complaints can get results. 
At Reagan International Airport in Washington, D.C., there was a neighborhood that had the flight pattern that was, that was right in the landing zone of, of airplanes. And they were putting up with noise day and night, and it got to be so bad, they began to complain. One, one, one time they received 8,670 noise complaints from this one neighborhood. But the thing that made it really impressive is that over 6,500 of those complaints came from one guy. That's 18 times a day that he called in to complain about the noise. After a while, the officials said, we've got to do something about this. This guy is driving us nuts. 6,500 complaints. Their complaints got action done. If you're going to be persistent in prayer, you've got to be regular in prayer. You cannot, it just follows along like logic. You cannot be persistent in prayer if you're not regular in prayer. If you're going to pray about something once and just forget it, that's not an act of faith, that's an act of forgetfulness. You get that? Just praying about something once is not an act of faith, it's an act of forgetfulness. And we need to be persistent in prayer. If you're going to be persistent in prayer, you have to be regular in prayer. I want you to see something. Does anybody know what this is? Go ahead and put that next slide up. WD-40. Do you know what the WD stands for? Somebody might know this. Water displacement. Water displacement. Do you know what the 40 stands for? That is the 40th formulation of that product until they finally got it right. They tried 39 times and failed each time, and finally on the 40th time, they got it right, and so they said, we'll call it Water Displacement 40. That didn't sound so good, so they said WD-40, and that caught on. But persistence is something that is needed in prayer in order for you to see results. Pray persistently. What are the needs that you have in your life? Do you need something from God? Pray persistently about it. Are you looking for salvation for someone in your family or your friends or someone that you know and someone that you care about? Pray persistently about that. God is saying here, it's okay to bug me. It's okay to harass me. It's not going to bother me at all. As a matter of fact, I will listen. The more persistently you pray, the more you're going to listen. I'm going to listen to you. Pray, pray constantly. Pray persistently. And then the second story tells us to pray humbly. There's a second story that he tells right after this in verse nine, verses through, in chapter 18, verse 9 through 14. He tells another story about two men that are praying, a tax collector and a Pharisee. And he says this, to some who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Pretty bold. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all that I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. 
For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Pray humbly. Pray knowing that you don't deserve anything that you're asking God for. Do you realize that? You can ask God for all kinds of... You can ask God for the Holy Spirit, and you don't deserve that. But God graciously offers it to us. We need an attitude change in our culture today. We think that we deserve things that we don't deserve. We haughtily think that because we exist, because we've done a few good things in our life, we deserve God's blessings, and we don't. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. We've all fallen short. We've all blown it. We've all made mistakes. But God humbly and uh, God graciously and wonderfully offers us all the blessings of heaven anyway, despite our undeservedness of it. That is the meaning of God's grace. We don't deserve it, but God offers it to us anyway. It is important that we pray humbly. That we pray realizing that we don't deserve whatever God has given us, but He offers it to us anyway. And anything we receive from God should be received with thanksgiving and with joy. Because we didn't deserve it. Because it's all grace from God's hand. Because we're all, we're all in God's eyes sinners. If you want God to hear your prayers, if you want to be justified before Him, you have to have a proper estimation of yourself. Romans 7, 5. For the, by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. Think of yourself as you really are before God and watch your prayer life take off as you pray humbly before Him. Now I hope this has motivated you to want to pray. We're going to close a little bit differently this morning. In your bulletin, you'll see something that I'm calling a prayer contract. Go ahead and pull that out right now. I'm going to ask you to make a prayer contract. Who am I asking you to make a contract with? Yourself. Remember, spiritual discipline is something that you do. You put your effort in. You, make, you try to do that. You put your effort into it, and with the help of the Holy Spirit, you accomplish that thing that you're trying to do. So I want you to take that out. It says, I, put your name in there. Not put your name in there. Put your name in there and do that, okay? So just go ahead and do that right now. I don't have ink pens for you. Sorry, you'll have to scrounge one up for yourself.